you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around the NFL Podcast. Looking for a flawed woman. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a virtual room. Still a virtual room. And not already filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler. Greg Rosenthal. Uh, gentlemen, here we go. Pounders start to spin forward. No combine, obviously. This week, uh, Pro Day's ramping up. And free agency next week. The draft after that. It's all happening. I, I'm waiting to see if it happens. Because it, it doesn't feel like it yet. I, I do feel like the NFL's been a little bit on pause waiting to find out what's up with this salary cap stuff. There's there's franchise tag might get delayed. Like, is is there a chance free agency gets delayed? I don't even think that's off the table. It's a little, it still is very COVID affected, I feel like right now. I'm not sure what's going on. I mean, on. I just, the chance to sit down in my own home this time and watch one pro day after the next is, <laughs> it's the stuff of adult dreams. Um, and just to cycle back on the on the money tag to open the show, you can't find a flawed woman. They don't. They don't. Women don't have flaws. That's true. That's, I've always felt that. And um, and especially Greg, don't look at me that way. Like show. you know, that's that's a fact that I just unfurled. Mm. And we will not get Greg to chime in on that no, on that won't. topic. Hey, speaking of money, uh, I want to introduce um, a special guest sitting on, in on t- uh, today's episode. Uh, yes, he is a Renaissance man is what he is. Uh, he is an NFL Network star. In fact, he uh, co-helms the Power Ranking show on NFL Network, but he's also one half of the shock jock team, Petros and Money, on 570 LA Sports. <laughs> and he's also, of course, the voice of the Los Angeles Chargers. Yes, you know who we're talking about. Also, the voice of God for the Ron NFL Podcast, Matt Money Smith. Welcome back. Oh, it is great to be here, gentlemen. Thank you for uh, for inviting me. 
What a what an honor to occupy one of these four squares with a sweet, tasty <laughs> lick on that and some colorful chords from what I what I envisioned being like a nice maybe uh, Ibanez, you know, and those strings being tickled by Steve Vai or Eric Johnson. Uh, just a guitar aficionado. I love it. I love it's it. Still, and, it's still, and it's still going. I do. Uh, it must be tough for you, though, Money. You have all these like jobs where you got to be super professional, and it's still going. And uh, still going. It's still going. Stevie Vai's in the in the corner. Yeah. Um, that reminds oh, good me. Fade out. My my brother was a big Stevie Vai guy, big guitar How could guy. Could you not be back in the eighties? Uh, but like, you've got all these serious jobs, Money, where you've got to be like the host and keep things moving. And then, as Dan mentioned, you've got like the shock jock role, <laughs> where you just are mixing it up and calling guys losers, and you know, trying to get as much uh, negative attention as you can. It's wow, a weird that's, dichotomy. Um... I, I would, uh, you know what, I'm gonna push back on that immediately, Greg, uh, because I, I like to think that that, that that would that would lend me to believe that you've never really listened to the Petros and Money Show. There is certainly negativity, but uh, I think the negativity is more self-deprecating in nature, and then it is all encompassing, all encompassing. It's we we go after everyone, everything, and then as we throw that boomerang, it comes right back and hits us upside the head tenfold because we realize our great failings through the course of our forty plus years on earth. No, I say that because I appreciate it, well, I as appreciate opposed that. to like um, you know my um, home state, like Boston, the sports radio there. It's a nice, it's a nicer flavor here. We do like, uh, by the way, we do often like to play clips from Felger and Maz. Uh, (laughs) it is, it is fascinating. Like, but they're, they're clips that you wouldn't think any radio show would want to play. Like we have, because we used to be a national show for, I don't know, like four or five years. And now, you know, with the advent of apps, people can listen to us anywhere, any place that were bummed to see us go away or maybe moved out. You know, they're, they're California expats. And they will tip us off to, hey, check out this clip from Felger and Matt. And, and it's like them fighting with their interns. It's uh, one of them like basically claiming like, I'll fight anybody. I will fight all of you and I'll beat your ass, that kind of stuff. And, it's and still the, the 1990s there. It's yes, still, it really it is. Changed. It's like, wait, people are still doing radio this way? And then they take calls <laughs> and they argue with callers for like 20 minutes. This is really weird. I mean, as someone who does uh, listen to the show quite frequently, I think that the term shock jock is... Uh, misapplied. So I, I, I'm with you, Money. I think that if anything, there's a openness between you guys. You're constantly taking jabs at each other. Yes. And don't sleep on the sports knowledge, the sports talk. It'll mm. sneak in there. And we appreciate that. It's very, uh, Sess, by the way, is the embodiment of what we want the Petros and Money Show listener to be. And I would imagine you guys want the Around the NFL podcast to be. And that is father-son bonding. I think that is uh, something that we can all relate to when it comes to, to sports radio or podcasts. There is something pretty damn cool uh, about this particular topic that, for whatever reason, no matter what the lines of communication are between father and son, awkward, totally fine. Sports seems to be the one path where, where dad and lad can, can really get along and chew it up and enjoy uh, the same sort of production. That's well said. I absolutely agree with that. And <clears throat> money... Um, like I said, voice of the Chargers, but a man that's very plugged in to the entire uh, National Football League and also has a high level of draft knowledge. I mean, the man is uh, going to be a huge asset to today's show because we're going to have some fun. Um, oh, but did I mention? I'm blushing. The man is also, um, you know, he dabbles in the stock market. He's like one of those guys. He's like, oh, yeah, I dabble. And it, it, it pays for his house by the ocean um, here in California. Uh, we are going to do some buy-sell 
stock stuff. I call it okay. stock stuff. That's an industry term. Hey, stock um, stuff works. Yeah, on the 2021 NFL offseason, uh, looking ahead, whether it's free agency, the draft, it, really anything within uh, the world of the NFL as we spin forward toward uh, the 2021 season. Uh, so we're going to uh, have some fun there. Uh, but before we do that, let's get going with some news. And Hollywood's calling for the movie right, singing, hey, baby, let's keep in touch. Hey, baby, let's keep in touch. I mean, money is a music guy. Uh, to and the now bone. I'm already singing, I want you to reach me. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, great. Now I got freaking run around in my head. And uh, Sessler, you know, Sessler on the weekends. And we had just had a three-day weekend, and it was nice. You know, you're going to get text dispatches throughout the weekend on a, a variety of subjects. There was a blues traveler wormhole that Sessler went down, and I didn't know if you had any blues traveler story uh, money. I to do share actually. Sessler um, the audience. Blues traveler was a big, big fight at K Rock when I was in the music department. Um, our program director Kevin Weatherly just never got into kind of the roots rock that had taken hold in the early to mid '90s. Hated Dave Matthews Band. Hated Blues Traveler. Hated Toad. Hated widespread panic. Like. And and so it was like one of my first moments of pushing back at the big boss. You know, mm. I was just at the time I was just a college kid and I, I you know, we, I was trying to get him to play. Um, oh, God, what was the name of the song? I lied. I told her I loved. Oh, but anyway, but anyway it was. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was from the first Blues Traveler record. And he's like, this, this isn't K-Rock, bro. This isn't K-Rock. This isn't this. This doesn't sound right. This would never sound right here. And I remember just saying, well, um, Okay, maybe it doesn't sound right in your BMW, but in the fraternity house where we're throwing parties, uh, this is a song that really gets everybody excited. So either we can go with your method of deciding what is working with the kids or my method of what's working with the kids. Mm. We never played but anyway. And um, I uh, <laughs> it, it, lost that battle. Yes, I lost that battle. But, uh, but we did end up playing. Runaround was the first Blues Traveler song we ended up playing. I wanted to play Hook. We didn't play that. We ended up playing Runaround, though. So Hook, sorry. what a song. Yes. Sessler. First go. concert I, like I ever went to, Blues Traveler, somewhere nice. in Connecticut, maybe Stamford. Have very hazy memories of the night, um, not understand. only because it was 20-something years ago, but because of what else occurred on that night. Exactly. <laughs> A big pop exactly right. right. Um, all right, let's get into the news, and let's start. We find, we have our Greg, first... Greg, by the way, is looking on with great disgust, like... Mm. <laughs> When, when, my, when are we going to talk about Yola Tango? That's or just my face. Or Voices? I mean... Mercury Rev. I'm, I'm outnumbered here, but it's like history proved the guy with the BMW right, I think, ultimately. That's Oh no, 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 no. Uh that record with that record with Hook and Runaround ended up selling three million copies and was a huge alt rock hit. Uh, yeah, I think they actually good. still so this is the way radio uh for those if like, look, people that think you can call up a radio station and ask them to play something, that's not how it works. Every single song is scheduled at every single minute, and there's a specified flow, there's a formula, there's research, there's all this crap we put into it that truly makes no sense. But uh, when you can actually deem something a success, and I promise I will end with this, and, and you guys can take back your podcast, my great apologies. <laughs> no, but we love it. when something is deemed a success is when it goes into the category called power recurrent, which means it's current status. Oh, you have yeah, basically yeah. played through the current, um, the, the current status of the song is kind of expired. It's gotten old, but it's so good and was deemed such a success that it will appear 
once to twice a day, every single day in this power recurrent category. And Run Around uh, was one of those songs mm. that ended up becoming a K-Rock power recurrent. So Often you'd find Travis hits would, would get into that power recurrent category as well. As yes. I know. Why does it always rain on me? Exactly. Right. <laughs> um, and you should know money before we dive into the news that in this era of pandemic um, virtual um, t- togetherness, uh, Greg has a resting, disgusted face. So well, I'm like, the, it's tilted down. But no, like, well, that's the thing. If you hadn't brought me in, then the show moves along nicely. Right. But then you have, and I have to just be honest that it's like, well, I still don't like that song. Didn't like it then. Don't, you know, yeah. don't need to hear it now. I just, you, I don't feel wanna, like, you don't want to hear that. Yeah. As a, as a regular listener of the Around the NFL podcast, I, I feel like Greg gets away with far too many zings. And then people be quiet because they just want to move on. And they're like, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to fight every Greg Zing because this podcast will be six hours long if we push back on every single one. So, Do we really I, have to do news or, or talk? I just want to do this for the next four minutes. I just life. wanted to establish that Greg Zings will be met with another level. Even though now I'm like, if people are watching the video component, I'm so small compared to Greg, which is funny, right? It's kind of, I, I believe that qualifies as irony because I look so tiny compared to him in this virtual world. Little camera magic. Greg yeah. paid a man $30,000 to give him maximum size in his box. All right, I'm um, done. I'm now a follower. My apologies. All right, let's get NFL into Network it. Listeners. No, no apologies. We're, we love having money here, and we have our first franchise tag. It is Justin Simmons, the safety, who's going to make a cool $13.7 million this year uh, because it's the second straight year he's playing on the franchise tag. Uh, we'll see. Maybe the Broncos and Simmons reach a long-term deal by July. Uh, but this is a man, um, Greg, who has always done the job in the secondary uh, in Denver, and now they keep him in-house, most likely. Could be a tag and trade. You never know, but it looks like they're moving forward with Justin Simmons. Yeah, he would have he been the best safety on the board in free agency. The, the big news here is what you said about it being the first one, though. Like, that's the weirdness. We're taping this on Monday the deadline was supposed to be Tuesday. I was guessing somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 franchise tags. And, uh, you know, the Rappaports of the world are reporting they might push back this deadline. No one still knows what the cap is. It's all a bit of a mess. Like, that's that's the most interesting part of this is all these other guys that we're kind of waiting to see whether they're going to hit free agency or not. A lot of guys who we expect will get tagged like a Chris Godwin or, or Dak and Shaq Bear. None of it's happening yet. That's what I mean. Like, it doesn't people is like, watch out for the bloodbath of veterans. It's like, I don't know. I don't I don't see it yet. It's not happening yet. I think the term was massacre, but um, right. I, I hear what you're Mass- saying. Massacre. It's like the same amount of people are going to get cut as usual, by the way. That's that's my prediction. Like I, guys, I guys who the teams didn't want. I don't think it would be a tag and trade because the doing a little research last week on this for a written piece that has exploded, by the way, and it's just, it's doing very <laughs> Which well. Which piece is that? Very well. It's a free agent fits, and I actually suggested that the Broncos don't get too uh, you know, cute that they just stay right at home and sign Simmons. And then five minutes after I published it, he got franchise tagged. And I just was strolling around my house thinking I've nailed this, but, um, I, it, G- George Patton, their new GM, if you want to call him that. And I call him General LA. Patton. Wait, sure, why, why I mean, wouldn't you call him that? Well, because I, I tend to agree with Dan to some degree that Elway's presence sort mm. of hovers there like a unforgotten, like Ben Kenobi figure. He's in control. I'm and buying I, the, the Ian theory, which is like, 
which sounds to be more like John Elway doesn't want to do any work anymore, and he really tried to quit, and they like almost didn't let him. I think I he's. Like I think I, he's at yeah. the. I think he's at the auto dealers and on the golf course. So I don't think he's getting involved anymore. No, you may be right. <laughs> Or wrong. You know, by the way, I love that, Mark. I love that you you threw in that your article's doing huge numbers. Because mm-hmm. honestly, who's going to double check? Going forward, every time I reference an article on NFL.com, I'm like, oh, by the way, and this was, I'm really humbled by it, just monster metrics on this, Well, it's, uh, it's, it's become its, a, its own thing. It's become sort of a sensation, <laughs> and you just ride the, you ride it. Um, all right. I think and, the kids call that going viral. I believe your uh, your article that, is that going is viral. A, it's making its way through the chat snap world. It's got a couple stories on a gram. Uh, you know, people are way into this thing. And you know, you mentioned that it's a little bit weird what's going on right now, Greg, with the lack of players being tagged and the talk of a massacre in terms of uh, cutdowns of veterans. It is very strange what's going on um, around the league when you look closer, like per over the cap. Uh, when you talk about it, and there's been a lot of talk about the salary cap moving down, which it will be. Um, if you look at this year, the average, according to over the cap, um, cap space per team uh, with free agency a week away is at $13 million. Last year, it was $43 million. So this is we are in a, a different, weird COVID related space, even if it feels like things aren't quite as grim from a COVID-19 stance from last March to this March. Uh, in the NFL, it is still turning everything upside down. And speaking of uh, massacres, there have been some cuts. Kyle Van Noy, uh, who the Dolphins spent money, big money on to bring uh, from the Patriots uh, last offseason, he was released after one ineffective year in Miami. Richie Incognito, he gets released. That could be uh, from by the Raiders, could be the end of the line for the 37-year-old guard who's had a interesting career, but we'll see what happens. Alex Smith, as we know, uh, the quarterback and comeback player of the year. He was officially let go by Washington. Jared Cook, the tight end of the, the Saints. And we might be outside the window now, boys, where people talk of Jared Cook this time of year in free agency. Maybe that ship has sailed, but we'll see. Golden Tate and the Giants end their business together after two years. And Gabe, jo- Gabe Jackson also let go any of those names money jump out to you as guys that um, you know could be a value pickup in free agency well you know I, I think you know before to, we get to value picks I think it's just interesting that the the Raiders which you know having seen them twice a year calling charger games you know kind of the the foundation of that offense was that offensive line it was just mammoth you know and and you guys can all attest to this when you have access to, to being able to get on the field it's just a different level when you're that close to individuals. And when you would walk, you know, on the field during Raider games and you would see Incognito and Hudson and Jackson and Trent Brown and Colton Miller, you're like, my God, these guys look like they are 30 percent bigger than any defensive line that they face. So the idea that three fifths of them are, are going to be gone. Trent Brown's gone. No one's going to trade for that contract. He's going to be gone, though. So I, I think when you lose, you know, Incognito, you know, Jackson and and, um, and and Brown, I, I don't know what that means for that offense, which I felt like, look, and this could be my charger bias coming out, but I just felt like it was celebrated far more than it really deserved. You know, when it needed to win games, it wasn't able to win games. It like put up a lot of yardage and they just weren't able to score touchdowns when they got into the red zone. When they needed to win a game and had the ball at the end of a game, they would seemingly never win. So I don't know if they're trying to adjust <laughs> what they're doing, but I do know. You know, that's a team, and I think this just kind of building on that, I think 
I do think there could be a massacre coming. I really do, because I think teams that aren't cash rich, and this will speak to our stock conversation later, you know, when you're in times of trouble, you want to find, you know, companies that are cash rich, that can weather the storm. I think the Raiders were a team that were expecting to have a packed house, season mm. tickets, licenses, parking, and they didn't have it because they certainly spent like it last summer, right? I mean, with the linebackers and they're handing out all these extensions and spending cash, and then all of a sudden, they have none of that income. So I think that's teams like that. I think you're going to start to see cuts, more cuts coming because they're not able to pay the bills and they're not able to convert, you know, those roster bonuses to signing bonuses because they have to scratch out a $15 million check the day they do it. And they're just not able to do that. So I think we're going to start to see more of that here in the next couple of days. One quick little item off of that. When you look at over the cap, I think one of the big numbers is all these teams hugging that line, how many players they have under contract. And one team that stands out to me, and I'll keep it quick, but like the Atlanta Falcons are in the red and have like 39 players under contract. Most of these other teams are in the 50s or 60s. Like, how do you solve that problem? You don't even have enough players to field a team, and you're in the red. Have fun. Have a fun. Have a fun time with that, Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> right. They. Uh, I still though want to like see the players when people say like, okay, this is a unique year. All these guys are going to get cut. Get, start showing me the players that teams wanted to keep that they cut. Like, give me right. the example. Now, one happened today. The one you didn't mention, Dan Carlos Dunlop. He played really well for the Seahawks at the end of last year. He's a good pass rusher. He's 32, but he played great in 2019. He kind of did the closest thing the NFL has to James Harden and kind of just didn't seem to try too much and got his way out of Cincinnati. And, like, he was going to make $14 million and the and the Seahawks are in cap, and there's no way he could make that in free agency. He'll probably make $7, 8000000 million. So they, they cut him. Like, But that's the first one. All these other guys, the Raiders don't want those guys. But you're right, that's a sea change. They were the highest-paid offensive line in the league money. And Trent Brown, who, who you mentioned, they're, they're trying to trade him. He's a good right tackle when he's healthy. But they're trading three-fifths or, or cutting three-fifths of that offensive line. And they're, they're going to be a lot different. All those other guys, though, they didn't want. Van Noy was, the, was a bit of a surprise to me. Yeah. But for $15 million a year, I guess they just weren't with it. Well, I, I think gonna... the thing uh, – sorry, Dan. I think the thing with yeah. Van Noy, too, like to me, for those – and look, I, I don't pick sides on the player empowerment, owners. Should you honor the contract? Should you not? Those things are so individual. I don't know the nuances of them, so I never try to pretend like I do and pick sides. But I think for all of those that are, are pushing on, well, you know, Deshaun just signed that contract six months ago. It's, it's BS that he's, he's not honoring it. Well, Kyle Van Noy just signed a four-year deal, I mean, to <laughs> uproot his family from New England, move them all the way down to Miami – you would not assume that one year in you're going to get booted after signing that four-year deal. he was okay. Deal. He was okay. Exactly. Well, so, just, it, like, to me, it's like, hey, if you want to push back there, then push back here on the other side as well, which is why I never push either way. I just sit in the middle and watch. That's the nice way to play it. And, yeah, Van Noy, maybe that would qualify, Greg, as a guy that is affected by what's going on with the salary cap. Because he was, I, it wasn't just that he was – ineffective last year he was beat up and injured so you wonder if if things were different if they had a little bit more wiggle room to play with they would give him another shot Mm. I I I was surprised by it but that to me just because they have some cap space and they want to get aggressive I think the Raiders maybe want to get aggressive that just tells me they don't think he's very good like if they thought if they thought he was as good as if he was when he signed that contract he'd he'd still be there Flores getting a bit of reputation you know as like he'll 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 change gears pretty quick. Yeah, not. I don't think that's a bad thing. But he's he's switched out his coordinators each year. He's he's switched out his players, his quarterbacks. Like he, he doesn't mess around when he sours on you. I like that they have co-offensive coordinators. You could kind of sneaky <laughs> blame the other guy. 
behind the Don't scenes if that. things go poorly. Don't That's a uh, that the Flores thing's a right. It's a double-edged sword, right? Because I think one of the things that that any business is is tough to to kind of deal with and embrace is the art of quitting, and and how important it is to to quit and move on when something's not working. Now the flip side to that is. Hey, maybe Brian Flores is the problem and, and you're busy cutting everybody else and blaming everybody else and pointing the mm. finger when ultimately maybe it goes all the way to the top. I mean, that's I'm giving the him the leeway. I'm giving him the leeway. Yeah, I would, he, too. He, he I, I would, too. He turned around the Titanic to, to, yeah. to quote uh, Solomon Wilcots on the Bengals. He's two for two. By the way, offensive coordinator is a big gig to get, obviously. It's a, one of those chairs, sure. coveted chairs, because in many times it could be a springboard uh, to the biggest chair, uh, head coach. Do you really want to be a co-offensive coordinator? I feel like that's a, a tough spot. Like, and it leads. It could lead to some backbiting and just some internal turmoil. And like, I deserve credit for this. No, it's your fault. All right. Well, very much depends out. on the two personalities of the co uh, people in yeah. the chair, and we don't. That's a mystery to us. I think. Well, just speaking, you know, because it doesn't happen in the NFL a lot. Just here in LA, speaking to the draft, you know, USC, which has been a rudderless ship and an abject failure under Clay Helton, um, the last few years, they had always employed a passing game coordinator, a run game coordinator. We had a red zone coordinator, like the word was when it was at its worst, was T. Martin was basically calling the plays until they got to the 20, and then Clay Helton would take over calling the plays. I mean, it is just, there's no way to run a football team, and you wonder why, you know, they're no longer mentioned with the other Blue Buds in, uh, in Alabama and Georgia and, and Notre Dame and Clemson, and SC barely gets a, a sniff of that anymore because it's just been such a disaster, and that speaks to you know, making sure, okay, it's fine to move on and it's fine to cut bait, but let's just make sure it's not a quirk in the personality that it's not necessarily production related, but you better be able to get along with this guy mm. in order to stick around. I mean, look, that's what happened to Pete Carroll at SC. You know, he, oh, I, I should say this, uh, allegedly um, was not happy with all the praise that Norm Chow was getting. Um, and all the credit that Norm Chow was getting for having basically saved Carson Palmer, this this Hercules of an individual, you know, that when you saw him up close, you're like, my gosh, if I wanted to build a quarterback, this is what it would look like. And he just was kind of a middling player through the majority of his career at SC. Chow comes in, the guy wins the Heisman, they start that run, and the next thing you know, Norm Chow's out of a job after winning a national championship. <laughs> and he's like, what just happened? Right. Um, in other news, so you have... Um, Guys being shopped and reports out there. Zach Ertz, that's one name. That's one name out there. He's the tight end for the Eagles. A big-time player. I mean, he caught a game-winning touchdown pass in the Super Bowl a few years back. He's coming off a bad year where he's all banged up and couldn't really move. And also, and this seems to be getting overlooked in people talking about the end of Zach Ertz, a terrible quarterback situation for most of the year. Uh, he is reportedly on the market uh, right now, also on the market, this one was a little bit surprising because you wouldn't think this is a player would have a robust trade market. But Adam Schefter reports that the Lions have had trade discussions with other teams regarding backup Chase Daniel, <laughs> who's one of those dudes that's you know, a great locker room guy, great locker room guy. And sometimes that keeps you in business. And uh, a sometimes. couple linemen, um, <laughs> a couple linemen out there also floated as being shopped. Andrew Norwell, the Jaguars guard and Kevin Zeitler, uh, the New York Giants guard. Uh, so some interesting names there. And and a preview of maybe who's getting cut later this week. That is somewhat, exactly. you know, Zeitler and Norwell, you know, were guys who 
you know, in hindsight, probably ranked way too high on, you know, Chris Wesseling and I's top 101 when they were free agents. I mean, those guys got huge money. Well, Zeitler got got traded, but he he was a big time free agent. Norwell, same. It's like, and there's always those, it's always guard. I don't know why guard is a position. Tackles it too. It's like, hey, you can plug this guy in for the next like 10 years. It's like, this is as safe as it gets. Well, not really. Like a guard's only going to save your team so much. Get a good offensive line coach. Like, you know, get a good scheme. That that matters more. Like your guard's only going to save save these guys so much. So we can say that the Browns won the Odell Beckham trade if Zeitler is getting kicked to the corner this soon after the transaction. Or we'll see that, if Odell is Beckham nonsense? is. Uh, we'll see if Odell Beckham is kicked to the curb. I think they it did. It did fine for both of them. Is it fine? We'll see. Uh, All right. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned coordinator, Greg. I think this is... Uh, is this more guys... Norm Chow talk? That's enough. Bro. No. We, we you guys always... Uh, no, this I is miss a... Norm Chow. <laughs> Norm had a, a little uh... run with Vince Young. That was fun. Yeah, I know the, Petros right, loves NFL. those USC hype videos. That loves very, very hey, into that. So. Nobody, nobody gets better recruits and, and puts together better hype videos and then doesn't develop the talent than SC. Um, <laughs> no, this is a tip of the cap to uh, one of your favorite folks, I thought this was a perfect way to describe it. Uh, move the sticks, Daniel Jeremiah, when all the uh, all the talk about how much are we paying these head coaches now and are we really going to pay Urban Meyer $8 million a year? you kidding me? It's like, yeah, that's, uh, that's Andrew Norwell's contract. So right. w- would you rather have Andrew Norwell or would you rather have Urban Meyer coaching your team? Because the same guy that's scratching out the check is going to be asked to write that check. It's, 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 just a, it's a perfect way to illustrate, yeah, pay the head coach. Whatever the heck he right. wants, pay him. Pay the offensive line coach. Like, yeah. Right. Pay, like, that's what Zach Ertz is due to make. That's why I'm not really buying. There's multiple, like, when they say multiple teams are interested, to me, that's probably like giving up a pick swap for the sixth to the seventh round or something. I'd be what shocked. What does he make? Ertz looked done, done to me. He he was $8 million. I know he's been right. banged up, but that's part of it. He he reminded me of Owen Daniels a little bit, like, towards the end of his career with those some of those routes. Sometimes for tight ends, it just it comes quick. I mean, he was going through yeah. some physical stuff we'll never even know sure. about, though. For so sure. I, you know. Yeah. Uh, in other news, Mika Hyde um, and the Bills uh, agree on a two-year contract extension worth $19.25 million. So he was due to become a free agent after the 2021 season to make sure they keep him in-house. And finally, and this was very uh, disturbing news uh, to me because I'm just not ready for it to be over yet, but John Clayton... Um, of ESPN reports that Ryan Fitzpatrick, quote, looks like he's going to retire. How about that? That surprised me. I thought that there was, this was someone with a great desire to start a year ago, and I think he could quickly get work somewhere else as a, like, the greatest bridge guy around. I mean, he could still make some more money. So retirement would surprise me. I don't, I don't typically buy that stuff until it happens. And I could see him getting pulled out of retirement if the right team fell into chaos down the, down the line. He's sneaky ancient. He's turning 39 uh, later this year. Uh, but, uh, Greg, and I think I think you had him in your top 40 free agents, um, he's been playing some of his best football. So I don't know if, if, if it's just a situation where he's ready to move on to the next stage of his life or, like Mark is uh, alluding to here, that it's part of a, a ploy to put it out there, come get me, but I don't want to be somebody's backup forever. I mean, a ploy is strong, but I, right. I mean, that's possible. Or it's just like it's just like where there's no news right now. And John Clayton, who has a radio show in Seattle, like someone pulls that off of him talking on his radio show. That's not like I don't know if it was like a hardcore 
you know, report. It's just this is this is the life of an aggregator you know, right now. It's John been, Clayton, but, Greg Rosenthal. But he just throw it out. He didn't like. He didn't put say some this respect is how, on it, his name. Also, by the way, that that kind of gets to what I'm talking about. What teams are putting out feelers for these quarterbacks right now? I don't think any because they're waiting to see what happens. They don't even know. Like if Fitzpatrick is disappointed by the lack of tampering going on it's like i don't think anyone's doing i don't think they're doing it with that level of quarterback yet they're just waiting and seeing what's going on with this cap and all that i wonder if there's a tipping point for fitzpatrick though in terms of money you know because he did yeah. i believe didn't he, he played last year without his family right they stayed and he, he was in seven Miami. kids so that's what i mean so he wasn't with the family the covid thing so he couldn't go to see them or else he had to sit out for 14 days you know my understanding it was a pretty tough year for him off the field. So I wonder if, you know, reduced cap, like you said, he's not getting any feelers. Like, you know what? I'm not playing for a million bucks, you know, or, or one point, whatever. He's like, if someone wants to come give me five, six million bucks, okay, I'll do it. And then that brings you to the cap. Like, who's really giving that guy when the cap's going to shrink by 20 million bucks, five or six million bucks to be a bridge or a, a great backup? You know what I mean? And, I, I mean to, and how annoyed is that wife after like a seven months of an NFL season with seven children and the dad figure has not has not been home for even three minutes. That's tension in a yes. in a barrel for you. Um, and it, but if I'm Fitz or Andy Dalton or or Teddy Bridgewater or James Winston or whomever, I'm rushing uh, to that uh, meeting with the Denver Broncos because if you want to look for a job where you have a path to play playing time, even if it doesn't mean a week one starter. Hell yeah. yeah. Get up there and beat out Drew Locke, and all of a sudden you might be set up with a nice gig. That's the uh, dangerous, like, that's the, for, for General Patton, right? That's the dangerous <laughs> signing because you can't have someone that's, you know, too commanding of the locker room or Drew Locke never has a chance, no matter how cool he looks, mild and lyrics on the sideline before a game. So cool. Uh, and But you also want someone that could legitimately beat him out, right? Because you're not right. entirely convinced that he's the guy. That is a... a like who would you who would you think is the best fit for that that kind of fills both of those lanes if you're still crossing your fingers that Drew Locke could be the guy of that group? Fitz isn't a bad one, but I would be, I, I would go with um someone that's just like better at playing football than Drew Locke. That seems like what seems I'd like be a good looking idea. for. That's what I'd be looking for. There's a lot of those guys, it seems like. I, seems there like. was a report that came out over the weekend from a player saying, like, Drew Locke is doing all the small things behind the scenes that will make him a winner. And I went, when I hear that, I thought the player's done. Trope alert. <laughs> Do we have our first trope alert of the offseason? Drew Locke I doing very things tropey. behind the scenes to improve. Okay. Okay. All right. That's what's happening in the news. All right. As promised. Money, you, you, you dabble. You dabble in the old uh, stock market, don't you? Um, sure. I think that's one way to that's one way to put it. Yeah, I've uh, I I enjoy the world of finance probably more than any other uh, any other the world of sports, the world of music. Finance is kind of my bag. I really do mm, enjoy. So it's it. more than dabbling. Dabbling's not yes. serious enough. Um, well, I entrust you know I trust what's really important to those that truly know what they're doing. But because I have a um, a hell of a, a well, I have a misguided um, sense of grandeur. So I, uh, I believe I, too, can beat the market. And I, I have a couple of my own accounts that I, uh, that I operate and, and have with some, some success and some, some great success and some great failures, uh, like most who, uh, who get into their, the world of, of finance would, would say. But yeah, like some of my favorite podcasts are finance-based podcasts, uh, economics. So um, whatever. Well, so this go. show's not helping you out. Yeah, this show's wanna... helping me tremendously. 
I want to party with you, cowboy. That's <laughs> right. Hey, we put on Econ Talk with Russ Roberts. Let me tell you, booze I'm starts flowing and we get excited. <laughs> and if you could, uh, money, and help the uninitiated, I have a, a deep and nuanced knowledge of the whole GameStop situation. But where do you come down on this? Well, part of me it really enjoys it um, because, you know, for those that don't kind of haven't followed it, the idea is a bunch of dudes got together and well, and by dudes, I mean, people, men, women, whomever on Reddit and decided, hey, we're going to increase the value. I mean, look, that's what happens, right? People buy a stock, the value of the stock goes up because there's more money invested from the public. It's a public traded company. So the more money that comes in, the more it's worth. Um, you know, so they decided, you know what, let's do GameStop because all of these hedge funds have shorted the GameStop the GameStop stock. Now, what does that mean? It means that they have basically placed a bet that the price of the stock will be considerably lower in the future than it currently is. Now, if the stock price goes higher, 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 those short calls come due and you have to pay your bill. Like, hey, remember you said you had these uh, shorts here? Well, yeah, that's not happening. So you're going to have to pay us. And in the case of these hedge funds, it's billions of dollars that the rising price of this stock um, has led to these calls. Um, so margin call, you know, they're st- short calls. So I find it entertaining, but it also doesn't do a whole lot for confidence in the market for the layperson. Like, wait a minute, what am I doing? So I can put my money in this company and it's not really worth that much, but somehow it becomes worth all, you know, it, it makes it a bit confusing as to how it works. And I think it's a quick reminder that essentially the stock market is a form of gambling. You know, you are, you are placing bets on future outcomes. That's what you're doing when you buy a stock. What is the future of this this stock certificate or this stock that I have purchased? Uh, that is what's going to determine whether or not I, I, I win or I lose this bet. Right, Will but I, unlike gambling, it's like gambling, at least you know who won or lost. In stocks, like, you, you don't necessarily even... Yeah, you could be told like it could be all just fraudulent that they, you know, companies that weren't aren't worth much, their stocks go well and company, you know, it's like it, it blows your mind. I'm well, with you. Yeah, I'm I mean, you taking notes on this. It's uh, it's it, it, some of it is out of whack and doesn't make sense. But the performance is like, look at I don't, I don't even know if we can do this individually. Right. Because mm. I'm not a, a, a licensed financial advisor. Um like you look at something like Tesla, right? It doesn't make sense. But right. the future projections are so promising for Tesla, even though they have not been able to, you know, the price to earnings ratio is so out of whack and makes no sense from a classic market perspective, which I think the S&P is typically somewhere between 13 and 15. And when you're trading at 150 times your earnings, you're like this, this you can't sustain this. But then you kind of look at the company and you're like, well, yeah, everybody that has one loves it. They buy more. If they can deliver more, if they could just ramp up manufacturing and distribution, my God, everybody would want a Tesla. Now that you know, so it does make sense in that way, right? It, down that avenue. So I don't want to get too deep down this. Well, this let me. Let me my apologies. I've done this it again. I did I, it with music. Is, now I've done it with this. This is when I realized that I am just a child. I have no idea what you're talking about. I can tell that you're that you that you know what you're talking about, but I don't know anything about Sorry. the world. We I'm going to just talk about free agents. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's it's far more interesting than than football. Money, I'm going to offer you a challenge. Uh, by the end of this episode, I would like you to cook up some type of NFL related stock scenario that mirrors the game sc- stop scandal. Okay, Ooh. just you know, let that mm. percolate in the back of your mind. Okay, and we're going to come around to it when, whenever you're ready. But let's let's get it going. Hey, let's ring the opening bell. Stephen Manny filling in again for Ricky Holloway. And let's do some buying and selling 
of NFL stocks. Money, why don't you get us going, actually? Uh, well, I think this is going to be an easy way. This is what we would call a blue chip, right? A blue chip stock. Mm. Uh, you, you know what you're getting. There, there. It's There's not a whole lot of, of sizzle, but you feel pretty darn good. Uh, and it's probably expensive um, because it's an established company that is going to keep selling their product and you're not too worried about it going bankrupt or, or seeing, you know, earnings reports that are dramatically lower than what were projected. Uh, but it's Trent Williams. Like to me, we talk about the, the Raiders cutting three fifths of their offensive line. The Chargers are probably going to lose four fifths of their offensive line. Um, and, and, you know, Bobby Massey, I think, just got got booted from Chicago today. To me, Trent Williams that's the guy like that. It all starts. You see it. Look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? I mean, it all starts with the offensive line. If you can get that group right, I just feel like your prospects of winning NFL games because there is so this is terrible to say, right? But there's just so little elite talent, it seems like. Uh, I don't know why it's become the tough. It seems like it's almost tougher than quarterback to figure out offensive tackles. Um, and, and I think we know he's good. He is damn good. And when we were seeing him do those box jumps before he showed up in San Francisco after the trade last year, we were like, my God, what in what world is, is that trade not worth it? Um, and that's why you might even be able to make the case if the Texans weren't so bad that the Tunsil trade was worth it to have a 25-year-old at that position that you could maybe lock up long-term. So that would be my number one buy of, of any mm. free agent out there, especially in terms of how many different teams could use him. Right, so many. I do wonder if the Jaguars are just going to throw stupid money at a lot of these guys, and Trent Williams would, would make sense. Although he might be the rare guy that's made enough money and will make enough money on this contract, no matter who he plays for, that he actually considers, do I really want to play with Urban Meyer? I was just, right. you know, with Washington. You know, like he might actually consider, well, the Colts are offering less guaranteed money, but it's still a massive contract or or picking a, a situation. You're right. He is going to make more, I think, than any player available. And I think it'll be by a lot. I don't think there will be a close. Like if we're, yeah. if we're doing those sandwiches, I'm taking Trent Williams and you guys can have the field. I usually want the field. And you have him number two overall on your top 101 free agents, Greg. Um, I'll I'll throw one out there, Greg. How about this money? And you, I got a volatile stock. Stock, okay, mm. volatile, okay. And uh, for those that aren't in the know, like me and money are, um, <laughs> that's the type of stock that can move up and down wildly, can provide great profit opportunities, but also it comes with greater risk. And which brings me to a name that came up earlier, Odell Beckham Jr. Mm. I want to see what's happening here. With Odell, uh, obviously he's currently rehabbing uh, the ACL tear that ended his second season uh, with the Browns prematurely, and we all know what happened after that. That uh, Baker was very up and down with Odell there, and a lot was made of it, whether it's fair or unfair. And I'm curious, Mark, your thoughts on that? Uh, that Baker played a more comfortable. Um, successful brand of football once Odell exited the lineup when he wasn't quote unquote trying to force it to Odell. These are the narratives that that uh, came into uh, being after Odell exited the lineup. And I'm wondering now, you step back and you, you're you in the um, Browns front office and having these conversations. Okay, he has three years left on his contract. No guaranteed money left on the deal. The Browns can get rid of $15.75 million by trading or releasing Beckham, freeing up some very valuable salary cap space, especially at a time when you now have proof that your offense can function without this high-profile, volatile stock. Not a volatile man. He gets a lot of 
uh, grief, but he's he's fine. A little bit left of center, maybe as a personality, but not not a bad dude by any stretch. So I think it makes sense that the Browns would potentially move Beckham, even if they're saying otherwise right now. Kevin Stefanski, I can't wait to have him back. Blah blah blah. And I wonder what they could fetch in a trade uh, because the Giants deal was a blockbuster. I wonder. I have two two options. More like a big picture. Odell. What if the Browns sent Odell in a third-round pick? Could they get a first-round pick for Odell Beckham in 2021? I think he's about 28 years old. Would you get Odell for a high second-round pick in a trade? Would you do that if you were the Browns? And then I'll have a, a more focused one here. What if Odell goes to, let's say, the big splash, desperate Chicago Bears for Allen Robinson straight straight up in a uh, sign-and-trade uh, situation, tag-and-trade Allen Robinson all thoughts, I just, I find it um, somewhat, um, I would be a little bit surprised if Odell's on the Browns uh, in September. Thoughts? I, mm. I would, I, I think there's something to that. Um, you also have Jarvis Landry commanding $15 million plus. So those two players are eating up $30 million yeah. this season. And it is a sort of impossible question to answer, I think, to say, are they better without him? Um, I do think this. I think that Baker Mayfield, the whole the whole Baker Mayfield experience, he thrives when he is the alpha. Um, and I think that there is, if you want to talk chemistry, that no one's going to say they're a better team without the talent of Odell Beckham on the field. But in terms of like Baker and Odell Beckham really getting into sync, I would say that Baker Mayfield looked 10 times more comfortable throwing the ball to Rashard Higgins, who... Uh, really didn't exist in 2019, but had great chemistry with Baker in 2018. And so I would um, dismiss the idea that they're better without Odell, but I could see them moving on because I don't think that what he's done in Cleveland has hiked his um, value. It's it's lower. It's been lowered, if anything. So when do you sell to get as much value as you could? I don't think it's two years from now. I think it would be now. I love that Robinson idea. That would be fun. Odell is one of those guys where it's not crazy to just throw out crazy trades because his contract now is such a, a plus in terms of being able to trade him. His contract's great. There's, I mean, as you mentioned, no guaranteed money. He's making under $15 million a year in cash. He's not, he hasn't been healthy enough to want to ask for more money. So that that's actually like very attractive, I would think, to another team, especially a team like the Bears or some, you know, teams who's trying to like, Get out of their own situation, but you're going to have to like make sure Odell is happy uh, to come to you. I, I would buy some Odell stock right now. I feel like it's at a low, and uh, I would guess I, I would guess he'd be back in Cleveland. But but I, he is not. It's not a crazy one to throw out there. All right, uh, Greg, you're up next. All right, I'm gonna. I'm not trying to like um, kiss up or anything here, but I'm <laughs> gonna. I'm gonna throw out just like uh, how about a, a stock in. Um, in the NFL, in the logo, what do we call it? The the shield. The shield. No, the, that's what the, we call it. The stock for the shield right now. It's go. I think it's a good time to buy. <laughs> they just uh, all these other sport leagues are gonna get okay. stuck with two seasons getting getting hit by COVID hard. I'm not saying that uh, the 2021 NFL season isn't gonna get affected uh, by COVID. Who who knows? Um, but I don't think it's going to get hit as hard as this second season of the NBA and NHL, for instance, and other sports. Uh, after all of this that just happened, 
they're selling all these TV deals for like double the amount. Like it, like it, it proved, it proved a little, you know, not COVID proof, but the, the ratings and everything are just like on an astronomical level. It's like, you're getting, you're getting a, the same amount of people, um, to watch this like Oprah Winfrey, uh, blockbuster, uh, with Markle as like Bengals Jaguars on a Thursday night football. And, the, you know, it's like like it's just it's just a, kind of amazing to me. They're giving out the bonuses. That's a good sign. We found out the NFL. It's like it does feel like they weathered the storm and this TV deal is just going to like bring in all this money. And this cap situation is a little bit of an issue this year. Um, but it's all going to just like skyrocket back up. It just struck me this week kind of watching, you know, the other leagues and how They've got their own issues that the NFL, if they're coming out of this with doubling their TV deals, it was like, what did it really hurt them? Score Didn't one see- for the underdog. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, Buy it's some built. Stock. Like, you hate to say it, right? But I mean, it's it's built for the pandemic. I mean, yep. it's it's one game a week. Uh, it's 16 games for a season. It's, you know, it's not 82 of the NHL or the NBA. It's not 162. It's not, um, you know, you can... You can perhaps mitigate disaster when you have, you know, that limited number of contests that you have to complete. Because, I mean, I think we all probably felt right when when it got sideways on the Ravens and and we're watching games on Wednesdays and the Steelers are pissed that they got to play this game. Wait a minute. Why are we being punished because of this? It felt like it was, you know, for those that like to skateboard, you're on that hill and all of a sudden the wobble has showed up and you're like, oh, no, am I going to be able to ride this out to the flat or am I going to get some serious road rash like that? That was there. That existed this season and they were able. And look, and I think that, Greg, speaks to one of the reasons why they're getting they're going to get these giant TV deals is they showed, oh, you you want a game on Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Pacific? Yeah, there's just 12 million people that watch that. I mean, that's <laughs> that's just kind of how it's the number one entertainment, not sport, number one entertainment product in America. And it's not and, and like it won't surprise me if Thursday night becomes Amazon and, and streamable. It won't surprise me if they come out with Friday night football or Wednesday. Night. Well, they won't do Friday for the kids. And you it's a do TV product. Schools, but it's a TV yeah. product. It's not a live product. I think no, that's exactly right. Exactly right. I mean, it's. It, you know, there's something about being at the ballpark with, you know, with your friends, you know, and just kicking back and throwing a few back or with the family and they're eating the, the hot dogs and all that compared to, you know, watching it on TV. It is much the same with, you know, any, who do you know, anybody that's ever been to an NHL game, they say, dude, that sport is amazing in person and they will not watch a single second of it on TV, yet they will gladly go to an NHL game uh, in the arena because it's a blast. So, yeah, you're you're right. I mean, it's. It feels like, speaking of stock, it feels like we are at the um, the not just the 52 week high, but the all time high. And and when stocks get to that, like when you look at an Amazon stock and you're like, wait a minute, I got to drop twenty four hundred dollars to buy one share of Amazon stock. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. And do you know anyone who's going to stop using Amazon in the near future or in the foreseeable future? <laughs> so go ahead and buy the $2,400 stock because it's probably going to be 3200 a share before you know it. And I think that's the NFL of which it, you speak. That's what the guy uh, who bought all the blockbuster stocks said in 2003. So, <laughs> well, yes. he was that was a death move. <laughs> he nailed that. 03 was a little late there for blockbuster. <laughs> um, by the tough. way, you you brought up the Markle Prince Harry Oprah interview, Greg. Um 
Quite what? dismissively, too, by the way. I'll, I'll, I'll no, wait. no. I mean, I'm saying that's like as big a blockbuster as there is. And I'm just saying like that does yeah. like a Thursday night football no, rating. Like, like I, my wife. Greg and, has Oprah in the John Clayton category just to let yeah, you know. Pub, public enemy and a nuisance. Um, no, the um, my wife is a uh, certified Anglophile. She loves all huh? that stuff. And she she said to me before the, the show aired yesterday, she's like, oh, yeah, this this interview that's going on, which I had no idea what it was, and I fell asleep watching it with her. But she was like, oh, yeah, this is going to do, like, Super Bowl numbers. And I was like, what? No, it's not. There's no way it's going to do monster numbers. And then the next morning, you know how it is. We're all married, and you have these little battles, and you just want to win the battle. Oh, so yeah. the next morning I wake up, and I'm like, okay, I know I'm right. I just want to see how right I am. So that's going to be a big W over coffee. Um, Markle, Prince Harry, Oprah. Huge number. 17 million people watched it. That's a huge number, obviously. Yeah. Super Bowl 55 and ratings that were down 15% for whatever reason, 96 million people watched <laughs> that game. That's how you double your contracts <laughs> in a, in, during um, a pandemic. A little W there. I mean, she's, how did you, were you, so you got, you scored the big W. Right. Were you cantankerous or were you a gentleman in, in your victory? Total jerk about it, but okay. that's, yeah. you know, but I know she's usually going to beat me in most things. And I'm usually the one that's wrong. So when, when you do get a chance to get the W, you run with it. Um, okay. Let's uh, move on here. Um, up next, Mark Sessler. I like to, uh, if I were to operate in the stock world, when you feel just a vibration that something's on the rise, that that there's something out there, a property, a new idea, um, an inventor, an inventive individual, I buy my stock in, in that. And I am getting in early on the Brandon Staley experience oh. in Los Angeles. When they hired him, and first of all, you know, this was the guy that I think... Um, he triggered a lot of glowing think pieces last season. And, and having read a couple, I thought, all right, here we go with the Rams again. And they're, they're all their little shiny little boys, perfect little coaches. But the more I read about Brandon Staley, um, I became kind of like very intrigued. And then when he went to the Chargers, and I am not bringing this up simply because the voice of the Chargers is on the show with us. The voice. It, it feels like Chargers. that would be a good place to do it. But um, – when he, you know, all these coaches, and I think Hold it was on. a tough year. <laughs> wait, there wait. we go. Money's right, putting on his ahead. Chargers right. helmet. There we go. As <laughs> contractually obligated when the Chargers come up on NFL Network programming. Go, go ahead, ahead Mark. Mark. Please continue. No, no, no. Well, I, I would just say that, you know, I think that it was a tough year to be a new hire because your interviews aren't done in big rooms with hundreds of people and lace and confetti and all this stuff. You're, you're stuck on Zoom. Um, like the Eagles coaching staff came out looking real clunky. And that's a talking point. And I went down. I was like, I'm going to watch Brandon Silly. I think I texted you guys. Like, I watched every sort of intro thing he did one day. And I was blown away by, and I mean this in the nicest way, he's like an intense nerd in the, in the most perfect way a football coach could be. I think he is... Um, the kind of coach that we're going to be talking about in glowing terms a year from now. And I think it's the right kind of dude for the Chargers at this point. And so I'm buying. I'm buying with all the capital I have. I'm putting it in <laughs> to this stock right now. Bullish on Staley. We know go. money's buying. Um, I've, I've been, I, you know, because of, unfortunately, the, you know, you know the, the, the world we're living in, I haven't had a chance to, to kind of get uh, with him as much as I would have liked to. Um, but the limited interactions I've had, he's, he's impressive. I mean, I, it, it's, can you coach? I don't know. But just in terms of interacting, his ideas, the way he answers questions, I'm really impressed by the staff. 
Um, in particular, I did not know this special teams coach, Darius Swinton. I, that, like, you know, I've been on all the Zoom calls and stuff. That dude is impressive. Like, he was talking about, you know, what they had crafted in Arizona, clock management team, situational football in the final five minutes team. And he was part of that. How You know, you think about that video that went viral of Larry Fitzgerald. You know, he was the get ball guy to set it down. He's like, oh, yeah, that was stuff that, you know, that we work on every practice that we're responsible for. So I like the staff. I like you know, bringing in Lombardi and then also bringing in someone from the Kyle Shanahan tree. And, and when you talk to him uh, about, you know, wh- how he staffed up, you know, it was an interesting answer, which is, well, yeah, we, we want to have as many possibilities as so we can we can take from this pot, from this pot. And then, you know, we got to get with Justin and figure out what works with him before we know what kind of offense we're going to run. So I figured, you know, here's a guy that's worked with Breeze for this long. That's part of it. Here's someone that's worked with Kyle. Uh, I was in, you know, with Sean McVay. Um, and, and so I, I just kind of like the way he's, he's built the staff, a, you know, just sort of the presentation of I'm a listener, I'm an aggregator and it's not all about me. It's, it's about finding. And then on top of all that, all you gotta do is just hear what Jalen Ramsey had to say. I don't know if you saw the Derwin James quote. It was pretty damn funny though. He said, you know, when, when we were at Florida state, Jalen was like, man, I, I don't like Jimbo. And I'm like, I'm all right with Jimbo. He's pretty cool. He goes, and then, you know, I got Gus as my defensive coordinator and Jalen calls me. He's like, man, that Gus Bradley, he doesn't know what he's doing. And I was like, ah, I kind of like Gus Bradley. He goes, and then I get a call from Jalen. He's like, Hey man, this Brandon Staley guy, just the best coach I've ever had. Goes, <laughs> wow. So I think that, you know, just to have someone that certainly seems like he could be an adversary, or not an adversary, but a little, you know, have issues with coaching, uh, to hear him sing the praises, uh, along with Von Miller and Khalil Mack, and just like all those guys, I think sp- speaks well for for the future of Brandon Staley. I'm a little worried about Joe Lombardi, though. I mean, I love Justin Herbert, and you, and you hire a guy who was – you know, had a pretty uninspiring track record and not a lot of people were beating down his door to get, and that's the franchise and its defensive coach. That's that's my worry, because I just want to see Justin Herbert be, like, the best quarterback in the NFL, because I love watching yeah. him that much. I mean, I, you know, there's that relationship there with Staley and Lombardi, where Lombardi coached him. I think at Mercyhurst is where he was um, when, or, or I don't know if it was Dayton, or I think it was at Mercyhurst that they were together. Um, I get the sense, though, Greg, that Staley's going to have his hands in a lot like he's mm-hmm. he's good. he's gonna be the conductor and you know he's got his here's your brass here's your woodwinds here's your percussion but i'm running this thing uh this is this is my orchestra that's kind of the vibe and he does it and that's what's great about him right he does it without saying it but also intimating it you know mm-hmm. and i think that's a very tough dance to do in the nfl because people don't like me i did this this was my creation you know so it's but and when it is you know and if you're a Rams fan that's bummed out that you've lost this guy, well, also you could look at it as when Sean McVay hired him, everybody was like, uh, who's this guy? What's he going to do? What kind of uh, he's going to be better than Wade Phillips? Well, he certainly seemed uh, to be an upgrade yeah. for the Rams. So uh, it seems like McVay knows what he's doing in terms of uh, talent acquisition. All right, let's go. Before we say goodbye, let's go around the horn one more time uh, with a little bit of a speed round. Um, mm. uh, who started? I don't remember. I started, Money. I believe. I think yeah. you did. Money started, and then money. You give me another one, and then we're gonna we're gonna put a cap on it with your amazing GameStop comparison. Uh, unless you wanted to share it now, but yes. it's coming. Just know that it's coming. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, what was my GameStop comparison again? I had to compare something to what the GameStop <laughs> mm-hmm. is. Yeah, like an NFL, okay. some, some artificial, yeah. artificially inflated, artificially inflated. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
You know what? So here's what I'll do. Uh, we bought. Now I'm going to sell. Um, I would sell wide receivers. You're talking about Odell Beckham at 15 million. Allen Robinson's going to make 18 million. I mean, it just seems like, and, and I think all of that is a, a product of it, it. You know what? Maybe as recent as three to four, maybe five years ago, we just didn't see wide receivers come into the league and catch on right away. It took them a year or mm. two to kind of get comfortable. I feel like we're past that. You know, I, I feel like you're drafting guys in the first or even the second round, right? And everybody does this with Terry McLaurin and A.J. Brown, like D.K. Metcalf. Like, it just feels like if you, if I'm limited, if I'm hamstrung, and I got to worry about a cap going down 20 million bucks, I don't know if I want to spend, you know, 12, 15 million bucks on Marvin Jones or 20 million bucks on Allen Robinson and stuff like that to me scared. I would much rather pour those resources into offensive line, or defensive pass rushers, you know, or secondary, you know, I like that. To me, that just seems like a better place to park your money than wide receiver mm. right now. I like it. It's a good call. Yeah. I mean, along those same lines, um, why pay top dollar? Like you're saying, maybe you can get a guy like Nelson Aguilar at, at a cheaper rate. And you look what he did when he was actually played in the right position with the Raiders. If the Raiders don't keep him, I would love him if you can get him at a good value. Um, but uh, for me, I wanted to focus on a stay away, and it's another Raider from 2020, Marcus Mariota. I'm seeing his name floated a lot. It's a lot. It's been out there. Like he's mm-hmm. going to be traded here, there, and maybe the Bears. He makes sense for the Bears who really are looking for something uh, fresh and potentially exciting at quarterback. And I, I'm thinking about it. And I remember, Mark, you and I did that Thursday night game against the Dolphins in week 15 and, you know, singing his praises. What a what an excellent performance that was. And the Raiders gagged away the game. Otherwise, that would have been a huge story. Uh, Mariota saving their season and, and, and all that. And I I think you can get caught up with one game um, and then not see the bigger picture and, and perhaps make a mistake. Like, let's say the Bears will use them again as an example, trading for him and be like, okay, this guy, we're going to, we're going to take a shot on Marcus Mariota again. When we had years of evidence in Tennessee that uh, he couldn't play the guitar. So if that would be my one guy to be very wary of, mm. uh, because if he didn't have that one game in December, you wouldn't be hearing all this stuff about him right now. Yeah. I couldn't be more with you on that. And I chuckle at the, this, these explosive reports that, he, that all these teams are inquiring about him. If that was ever the case, it's like, who, I, for all these, like, who's who's like heat-seeking Chase Daniel right now? I mean, a lot of this feels like um, percolating whispers and nonsense. Uh, I could imagine coaches, though, still, there's certain coaches out there that would look at Mariota and always be fascinated with his skill set. And so when it was, when you saw what you saw in that one one game, it's like, hmm, maybe we can get him for a little mm. bit less and add him to an offense. But again... Maybe that's your Denver move where like it, it, he's not spicy enough to totally blow away Locke, but he could be an attractive, uh, you know, part B. Or his skill set and his draft pedigree. It's a number two overall pick. Me, I'm staying away from both those quarterbacks in the 2015 draft as much as Greg loves Jameis Winston, another I know. guy. Uh, but I would say the difference between the Chase Daniel situation, whereas that might sound that might be hot air and a team just trying to drum up a market or an agent or whatever. Um, whereas I really do think that in our league, there are going to be uh, front offices and coaches that 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 was a primetime spotlight game 
that are like, oh, Hamana, Hamana, this guy, I, I could fix him. I could make him a 16-game starter. Like, I think that happens in football, uh, as silly as it may be, because it's really Well, you win coach of the year if you do well, that. I mean, it's a great narrative and story, and that's how coordinators become head coaches half the time. There's too many of these guys available, which is why I'm I'm selling stock on my top 101, the quarterback rankings. I ranked them all too Oh, high. I thought you meant they, the whole thing. I was like, no, wow. Just, just the quarterbacks. <laughs> they, all those guys at the top, Cam, Jameis, uh, you could throw Mariota in there, even though he's not on the 101, and Fitzpatrick, and Dalton, and even Tyrod. Uh, keep going on. It's like there's too many of them, actually. So right. the market isn't there, and that's on me. So I'm selling me. And that that's connected to Teddy Bridgewater. Like, man, he his stock is at a low right now. I might even buy because, like, man, no one really wants it. Like, he has seen his stock plummet since about mid-November. He finished the season poorly. And uh, his team doesn't want him. He's got this contract. No one really wants him. I'm staying away from Patrick Peterson. There's a future Hall of Famer. I don't think it's going. I'm just going to go a bunch of rapid fire. And then finally, I'm buying Jalen Hurts. I like where he is right now. I like the news that his owner kind of wants to build around him. feel like people aren't really feeling Jalen Hurts that much. He was a little up and down. But I think he's going to be put in a nice little situation. I'll buy some Jalen Hurts stock. Okay. Hey, by the way, you've been sus- speaking of quarterbacks, Greg. You've been suspiciously quiet. On another free agent quarterback, Geno Smith, uh, wow. who's coming off a 94.2 passer rating this season. I think he threw three passes. But, like, you know, it's important uh, that you've always been a big fan of his, and maybe it's time to either uh, make some type of statement about Geno Smith, where we are right now. Well, I, th- yes. I think he's he's established where he is. He's a winner. And uh, if you want your team to make the playoffs um, – you bring him in. The Chargers did it. If you want someone to counsel a great quarterback like Philip Rivers or Russell Wilson, you bring in Geno. He's a fit in in the locker room to know his role, to call the coin flip correctly, and to bring a winning atmosphere. So that's where he is. He's not a starter right now, but he's kind of like you want a winner, you want to bring mm-hmm. him in, and you want another sure. set of eyes for a great quarterback. That's where Geno is. Right I mean, now. all those things you said are absolutely on point and accurate and true about Geno Smith, but I, I find it odd, an odd pairing that you're the hype man for a flat earther. You don't seem to be the kind of person that would be into flat earth theories. Every Everyone's, you know, has got their own, you know, we, it could be differences. We want a diversity of opinions, and uh, if he gets one more contract, he's officially outlasted Rex Ryan's head coaching career, Geno Smith. So just you know what, Only Seth, Greg actually, would track something like that. Actually, Seth, I think the thing is, is that Greg... You know, Greg's a football man, okay? And football men, they don't care. Hey, you want to be a flat earther off the field, that's fine. But you come into this building and you sit in my quarterback room and you're going to help my guy get better every day, day in, day out, then you know what? By all guys, I'll sign me up for that. Uh, Flat earth, round earth, whatever. How many moons are orbiting earth, I don't care. I'm a football guy and Gino's a football guy too. Sign him up. That's right. And, you know, not to dwell on it before we move on, because I want to hear Mark's uh, final thoughts. But <laughs> all this talk about the Seahawks and Russell Wilson and all the drama, Mike Dugar on the show. And like, oh, what are the Seahawks going to do if they trade Russell Wilson? Well, how come nobody's saying, well, look in their own backyard? Why? How about that, Greg? Are people mm. just missing the boat on that? Uh, he's a, he is an unrestricted free agent, so they would have to compete uh, for him. But, yeah, that would right. – 
that would be a tough spot. Geno Smith taking over the Russell Wilson list Seahawks. That that team without Russell Wilson, I'm not sure how good they would be. Think about all the coin flips. <laughs> not very good is where I'd, I, I that's suggest. that's where I would suggest too. All right, before we get to Money's GameStop comparison, which I'm oh, really boy. pumped up about, um, Mark Sessler. I'll try to buy you some time here, Money. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> You know, here's one thing. I am I am buying um, into a concept that things have changed because of Corona and some things uh, we've mentioned this. The off seasons might look a little bit different. They already do. I think that I'm buying the concept that the combine has peaked. Um, that the combine essentially will never be the way it was ever again. Now, I mean, I'm not saying that it's never going to occur, but even even it's in, in the every last show week, occurrence now. By the way, I don't know if anyone's tracking this at this home. This is this week in Mark Sessler's wishful thinking. Right. No, no, look, it's I, like I, I, it's one more commentary uh, about what so could be great. eliminated from the coverage. That is, the, the that is such a great call because when we would hang out at Shoeless late night, nobody had a bigger ass-eaten grin on his face when he would walk through that door than Sessler. That is a great well, call. I look at, I love the combine and the celebratory nature of yes. it. Um, that sure. part I, sure. I, 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 I like. But, you know, it's we're a week removed from Daniel Jeremiah, someone that I personally trust the opinion of, um, saying that things like the 40-yard dash are absurd. No one is – you have, you have, like, devices and tracking software on players that show you how fast they move in-game, during game tape, that the whole idea of standing around and watching this guy – run a 40-yard dash in a sterile environment with no one around them in a silent field um, doesn't doesn't track the way that it used to. And I'm not, look, at some things they do are incredibly valuable. And I think the meetings and the getting to know players, all that stuff. But I do think that the combine, as we know it, has peaked. I'm buying that stock. But you know what? I'm an inexperienced trader. Well, I'm buying into that concept. So oh. what is that? What would I be doing then? By the way, Money, you're, you reminded me now that is the ha- happiest I've ever seen a person. And I remember it was me, you, and uh, Sheck sitting at the table at Chula's. And I can't give too many details uh, to protect everyone involved, but we actually saw Mark skipping toward us. Oh, it was hilarious. The smile. It was hilarious. Like 2 a.m., maybe like, it was like 1.30, 2 in the morning. Uh, and it was like... I, I won't. I'll, I'll. I'll leave those involved nameless to protect the innocent. But I'll never. It reminded me, uh, because remember he came in and then he was like, "I'm going back out." He was like, "I'm going out." Like we were like, "Wait, where are you going?" <laughs> and uh, and it reminded me when I worked with the Lakers, we were in a playoff series. We the Lakers were in a playoff series. <laughs> Humble um, And uh, and we were in Phoenix. And Money averaged 13 and 10 in exactly. that series. Exactly. Uh, no, I was just a physical presence, but you know, it's a couple <laughs> rebounds, set a lot of picks. Um, and we were leaving. We you know we had been out late, and I was out with the training staff, the guys that I hung out with, like you know the strength and you know those guys, that particular yep. group. So we're out late. We're coming back. I'm not exaggerating when I say it's like three in the morning maybe four. And as we're walking in, one of the starters from that team is just strutting out like it's <laughs> like it's four in the afternoon, just reeks of like dr- cool water cologne or something. And we're like, hey, man. He's like, hey. We're like, you're going out? He's like, yep. <laughs> and I was like, put it all on Phoenix tonight. <laughs> it was, and that's what Sessler reminded me of. We were just kind of winding down, sitting at that table, like, ah, oh, where were you? And what were you doing? Let's have a call. Let's have one more pop before we go to bed. And Sess comes in, and then he's like, 
All right, guys, I'm out of here. Have a good one, suckers. <laughs> well, celebrate, enjoy life is what I say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it was the highlight of my combine that year. Um, <laughs> all right. Money. Now, I did put you in a tough spot here. If yeah. you didn't come up with one, maybe just, uh, down the line you could. Here's all I would say. This, this is like maybe the closest I can, I can put it. The, historically speaking, right? Um, the, like Russell Wilson, I think, fits into this mold because you had all of the historic institutions, you know, the franchises, the general managers, the pre- team president saying, no, 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 no. This guy, this guy cannot, you can't have a five foot 10 quarterback. It won't work in the NFL. And then you would have, like, when I, I remember at the combine, it's one of my more vivid combine memories, was sitting with Russell Wilson. You know, Bucky and I used to be on the field. We would interview everyone. When they weren't working out, they would just walk over and chat with us because we were on the field. Um, we were the only people on the field, really, outside of the people running the drills. And, like both of us could not, we were like, who was that guy? That, that, that's the most impressive player we've ever been around in the history of the combine. And every single scout that we talked to was like, dude, that guy killed his interview. His tape is great. If only he wasn't five foot 10. And like all of those scouts were trying to tell these franchises and these general managers, forget about the hype. Just forget about it. Trust us. We know, we know, we know. Meanwhile, you know, they were essentially, pardon the pun, shorting the Russell Wilson stock because of how short he was and they all mm. blew it you know they they all they all blew the best quarterback to come out of that draft that had RG3 and and Andrew Luck uh because they were weren't willing to overlook the height so i hope i hope that works i i i don't know if that mm. that makes sense it's i don't it's, think so no <laughs> mm. i don't know yeah. i thought it was delightful well because gamestop word. is well i don't know is GameStop? So you, you think the future of GameStop is that like as like a Hall? No, of I just mean company? in that. I mean in that moment, in that okay. in that particular moment that they all, um, you know, that all those. You could argue that all those teams lost money that did I, not bet on Russell Wilson because they, you know, and, and all of the the people that supposedly didn't know what they were doing. One just came. One just came to me, and it's going the opposite direction. And this is sort of under the assumption that eventually GameStop, you know doesn't ever figure out how to become a 21st yeah. uh, century company. And that's Tim Tebow. Just a bunch of like people that were like overly, like everyone convinced themselves that Tim Tebow could play professional football. Like, ev- like everyone did. And this is why it's like, it's revisionist history. All the draft analysts for on our network, on every network. Like no one was like, yeah, I'd put an undrafted grade on him. Or like, right. you know, I like everyone was convinced even when the Broncos took him there, that it was like a lot of people thought it was like, that's a good move. Like, okay. The, the guys that were down on him was like a second round pick. And it was like this insane art of Johnny Manziel was a little bit like that too. in hindsight, oh, but it's like art, an artificial inflation of something that's not really so, worth anything. So here's the only reason why that one doesn't work is because, <laughs> sorry, Greg. Um, but it's no, because I'm essentially confused. I'm people confused. are people like the, the institutions bet on GameStop to fail. That's what they did. They, mm. they placed bets that said, this is going to fail. And then these group, they're called Reddit Raiders decided to pool all of their money and say, Oh, Oh, you have shorts on here? Well, well, guess what? Uh, we're going to raise the value of this stock. You're going to get short squeezed, and it's going to cost you somewhere in the neighborhood of 5 or $6 billion. Here, I think, is a good one. College football. 
college football offenses and all the people that were like, that'll never work. Don't draft quarterbacks that are dual threat. Don't you bring your spread offense to the NFL. This is the NFL. This will never work. And then what did you get? All of these young, bright, wunderkinds, uh, Sean McVay, Cliff Kingsbury that are like, oh, yeah, Lincoln, hey, can I come visit you, Lincoln Riley, in the summer to see how the Oklahoma spread works? And now every head coach goes there every summer. That's what happened. They finally had to get their comeuppance. Uh, they were humiliated for their unwillingness to evolve and, and their stagnant offenses. And now look at what the NFL looks like. We I, got think, it. I think that works. We, we got there. We made it. Hey, ring the closing bell, Jeez. Manny. We did it. <laughs> it. It took me an hour and 12 minutes. All right, Money, you've said it all. It is always yeah, I've said too much. a pleasure uh, to have you on our show. And um, I won't know. be invited back anytime soon. I talk too much, and I always tell myself at the end of it, I'm like, God, would you just shut up and listen? No, so that's my apologies. Your, that, don't, don't say that to yourself. I, I enjoyed myself and immensely. I, in my intro of you, when I called you a shock jock, completely in jest, and the fact that Greg took that and, ru- and ran with it, right? really, I apologize. <laughs> have you, have you guys I didn't ever heard I, of irony? Like, the point of you saying that is, of course, he's not a, a shock jock. You know, what, what is it, what is it going to take? Seven uh, more years of doing this podcast? Yeah, I guess so. I think you're so, you're so subtle. Irony. Greg's, Greg's irony is so subtle. You know, his facetiousness is so subtle, it's hard to read. I mistake it for snark. (laughs) It's always a joke. All right. Good stuff. Money, thank you so much. Loved it, guys. And and uh, obviously locally you Petros and money, but where's the, where can people see you on the network right now? Are you going to be part of this draft coverage? And- <laughs> you know what I'm doing the uh, I'm doing the SC Pro Day, so I think that is uh, the 24th. I'll be doing it with DJ, oh, and I think we got a shot at being out there. So very excited about that. So that uh, that would be the next time. Uh, anything? I any I slice hear you of normality? Them. I want to hear you bury them like you did on this podcast. That was that's uh, that's not going to happen there, Greg. Uh, <laughs> when we get on campus, we celebrate that. Well, you know what? The thing is, like, I'll always celebrate the kids. You know, I mean, my goodness. You know, I'm going to celebrate the heck out of Amon Ross St. Brown, who went to, uh, you know, where both my daughters go to high school, modern day, won a couple uh, championships there, and celebrate Elijah Vera Tucker and all those players. That's for certain. I mean, you know, that's one thing we can agree on is you always celebrate the kids. Absolutely. Uh, I meant there you go. It'd be funny if you just yeah, exactly. like you just did. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Um, all right, so make sure to keep an eye out for money, and thank you to everybody for listening. We'll be back on Thursday. We have one one more show this week, and then our network show returns on Friday. So hey uh, make sure to set your DVR. If you still have a DVR, set the bastard. All right, that's it. This is Dan Hansa signing off for Matt Money Smith, The Quiet Storm, The Old Boss, and Stephen Manny behind the virtual glass. Yes, we'll see you Thursday. Until then. Ooh. Heed the call! You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com you're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.